Welcome back, everyone, to the next episode of the Culture Eats Everything podcast. Today, I spoke with Damian Rocky, who's the CEO of a really cool technology company called Grand Circus. Damian's got a really cool background, grew up in Australia, got his MBA at Wharton, worked for McKinsey and Company, ended up getting a award for Entrepreneur of the Year from Ernst & Young, really impressive background, and he shares some of his thoughts on leadership and two in particular that are really valuable. One is to make sure you go and find a mentor or several mentors. And the second is that if you want to be the CEO, you have to do the job before you get it. And he explains what that means. So thanks for joining us today. Damien, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. We appreciate your time. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you, Tom. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll get into your, your background there, Grand Circus, in a minute. But we were just talking offline about being a CEO and how there's really no manual for it. Um, so share a little bit about your experience of being a CEO and what it's like. Well, we were just talking about there's no job that prepares you for it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're you're young, and I think you know you said if you're a 34 year old CEO or if you're a 44 year old CEO, um, we all come into the role not really knowing what we're doing, and so um, you know that's pretty scary. And and I, I was also sharing that it's you know I, I found a lot of value in in talking to other CEOs about what they're going through, and I, that's why I love what you're doing here because I think it's you know it's great if we can shed light on what we're all going through. You said not really knowing what you're doing. That's a pretty interesting statement, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what it is. I mean, I, I think um, you, you never, you know, and I, I, I've talked to people about, you know, transitioning from COO to CEO. You know, I always thought that that was a, you know, a pretty simple jump. But there's something about being at the tip of the spear, you know, about being that, having that ultimate accountability that, you um, I don't know if it's the pressure of the job, you know, knowing that there's really no one, <clears throat> no one else to turn to. Um, obviously, if you have investors and you know, mentors or whatever, you know, you have someone to turn to. But, uh, you know, just being at the tip of the spear, as I said, I think is just a very unique feeling. Well, it's that accountability. It's the, yeah, I think ultimately that's it. Yeah, it's the, you know, it's the accountability, at least that was my experience, is the, the board of directors, you know, I had several boards that I, reported to, but, but they weren't ultimately as accountable as, as I felt, you know, in that that role and the burden is, is significant. How do you, how do you deal with it yourselves as you think about, you know, the, the weight of that, how do you deal with uh, the stress or whatever comes from that? Uh, Well, not well, sometimes, (laughs) if I'm really honest. Uh, Well, I mean, as I said, I, I've gotten a lot better at talking to people about it. You know, I have friends who are sort of in leadership positions as well. And that, that, that helps me a lot just to, you know, I have a couple of guys that I have, you know, breakfast with pretty regularly and we'll just talk through issues we're facing. And, um, I, you know, that really helps me. I think um, something I've got better at doing is just unplugging from work as much as I can. You know, I think it's sort of cliche, but I think you have to, you have to spend time with family and friends and just forget about work. Um, but at the end of the day, easier said than done it's always there in my experience yeah well and i get the sense that you 
you know, you love what you do. It's not always easy. It's not like you love it 99 or hundred percent of the time, but the, fundamentally right. you do, you do love what you do. And that I would imagine that helps. Yeah. No, without a doubt. I mean, it's life, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, well, and unplugging, I think is so important. Um, I know in your case, I see you running by, you know, uh, <laughs> little insider information, but Damien, and I live in the same neighborhood here, uh, yeah. just outside of Michigan, about, four or five blocks from Detroit Zoo. Um, right. And it's a great place to great place to go running. What else do you do to, to kind of check out or take care of yourself? You know, um, I love to cook. It's mm. sort of always been something I've been into. Last couple of years, I've gone into meditation, which has really helped me a lot. Um, you know, so I got put onto transcendental meditation. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do that pretty regularly. And then exercise, That's that's always been... Um, especially during this kind of weird pandemic, um, I found that's the, the single best thing I do, just getting outside, you know, getting up a sweat and just uh, making that part of my routine. It's been really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't, seen you, I haven't seen you running, by the way, Tom. Have you been out much lately? I used to love running by you. I, I, I still run quite a bit. I probably every other day sort of pattern. Um, I bought a treadmill, which is hilarious because oh, okay. a few years ago, I literally did not like running. Um, there's a stronger word for it, but I won't use it. Um, <laughs> but I, I had got a concussion playing soccer. That was pretty scary. I couldn't remember my kids' names and, you know, it was, it was bad. Um, so I, I had to, I talked to my, my uncle who was a neurologist and I see, he was kind of walking me through things a couple of weeks afterwards. And I said, well, when can I get back to playing? He said, well, you know, one concussion, two concussions, not terrible, but it sounds like you've had probably three, Tom, between soccer and lacrosse. And um, he said, you know, that's, 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 I think it starts to get pretty dangerous. And so he said, remind me, how much money do you make playing soccer? <laughs> that was the, that was the sentence that ended my, my soccer career. So I had to, I had to do something and I, I finally got into running, I ended up running a half marathon with my good buddy up north in Michigan and that was a lot of fun actually I I really did enjoy it so ever since then I've been running and bought a treadmill and so the rest is history okay but, there you go but it's important you know it, it is we we we've, we kind of throw it off as like well yeah I don't have time for that right a lot of CEOs are too busy for that um but there's actual brain science behind that too you know that in order to free up our creative thinking in order to free up our creative mind there's some i forget the number but it's something like you know we have access to about two feet of data if you think about it in that that extreme sort of consciously but our unconscious mind has access to about you know 10 football fields worth of information which is why you know you're taking a shower or you're out for a run i don't know if you've had this experience you wake up and it's like oh you know great idea out of nowhere um yeah well, I think, I think a similar sort of idea, like if you think about professional athletes, I mean, they talk about training and then obviously competing, but, you know, more important than competing and training is, is recovery, right? And that's doing nothing, giving your body a chance to, to re-energize. Um, so I, I think that, you know, as, in, as leaders, you know, we're always trying to get better as leaders. We're always, you know, we're obviously in the role, but we don't, we don't think about enough about that downtime and that recovery and it's sleeping to be, you know, to be honest, I mean, I think that's that's a really key thing that people sort of overlook. Um, in addition to sort of just unplugging. So anyway, I, I think it's yeah. I think it's a really really important thing. 
No, not anyway. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's one of the most important things, you know, we, we tend to treat it like, well, anyway, right. We tend yeah, to, try, try. We I just tend, did it. Yeah. tend to blow it off, but it's so, so critical. What's the, what works for you sleep wise? What do you, what do you try to get and how do you, how do you create a habit around that? Well, you know, I, I can say that it's important. I don't think I, I do do it great to be honest, but I, I think that's why I do focus on it. Um, I, you know, all, all the normal things like, you know, try to limit device time before bed. I, I try not to keep my phone next to me when I sleep. Uh, try to read. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I mean, the things that I don't do very well, which I know are important, sort of, you know, regular times you go to bed. And um, I, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Something I've really, it's really helped me actually just becoming smarter about my sleep patterns. It's just, we have this technology now that like enables you to see how effectively we, you sleep. Um, so a lot of people have a, an, you know, a watch or a, um, some sort of, you know, wearable device will tell you like how effective your sleep is. And I think that's, that's been really helpful for me as well, just to see how much sleep I'm getting. Yeah. I just heard that Amazon came out with a new device. Um, what's it called? Uh, but it tracks just that. And it, it actually supposedly tracks your tone, meaning how often are you speaking positively? How often are you excited? How often are oh, you sarcastic? I think, I don't know how good it is, but fascinating, fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Um, on the, the, the sleep front, you know, I think that's such, a, such an important one because we don't think about, I mean, the, the sports analogy is a great one, right? That we, we know if we wanna build up muscle mass, we have to go exercise, we have to go you know, if you want to build up your bicep, you got to go do some exercise for that bicep. But we don't think about as leaders that our primary tool that we have is our, is our brain. And we don't right. think about giving it mental fitness, you know, providing the fitness that it needs and the rest that it needs, just like any other muscle. You know, you can't, right. you can't exercise your bicep for 14 hours straight. You know, you got to give it, got to give it rest um, to, to help it to grow and improve. Um, so for young, you know, young leaders out there, young folks who maybe aspire to, to be a, a CEO someday like yourself, what, what advice would you have for them? Sure, big question. Um, well, I think, I think the single best piece of advice I could give anybody um, is to find really good mentors. I mean, it's a really obvious thing, I think, uh, but I've just noticed over the years, the people that, are, that I've um, that have achieved any sort of significant success have always had mentors. I don't think we, I don't think we look for mentors enough as professionals. And I mean, even just that, you know, when we're talking about the challenges of being a CEO, um, especially when you're a CEO, but I think in any stage of your career, I would say that's, that's a, a you know, really key thing to do. Uh, if you want to be a CEO, uh, you know, I think the other bit of advice I would give you is to, do the role before you get it. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, if, if you're, you know, at a company that, you know, maybe you're in a senior leadership position and you're eyeing off the, the, the job, I think starting to show decision makers within the company that you can do the job is, is a really effective way to position yourself. Um, and it sort of helps you get ready as well. I mean, you get to experience a bit of it. And, and I, so I think those two things I think I, I've noticed have been present for people that have been really successful. And what about the, because the, both of those are fascinating. What about the mentorship is so important, you think? Well, I mean, we all have blind spots, Tom. And, you know, so I think, I think it's, 
it's it's a lot sort of you know it, as you as you build a relationship with a mentor and they get to know you um they help point out those blind spots you know get get you through those those moments you know and then there's always kind of the explicit you know the questions that you have right that you just need to bounce off somebody um so so i think that the related idea is you know obviously it's always good to reach out to people and ask them you know um for advice or insight but if you can find that person where you have that sort of relationship with when they get to know you over time, uh, I think that can be, you know, the most impactful type of mentor. Yeah. And, and to, to literally, uh, you know, the other element is you, as you say, it is, it seems so obvious, but it gives you an opportunity to practice your right. communication skills and all the things that matter, the soft, the soft skills. Um, I just watched social dilemma last night. Have you seen that yet? Yeah, I've seen bits of it. I, I had to stop watching. It was a little, a little scary. Yeah, it is. It's, it, it, I didn't sleep well last night. <laughs> uh, but um, you know, it strikes me that so many young people rely on sort of the conduit of technology for relationships, and I think it's important to highlight here that you're. I think you're talking about mentorship. You know, person to person, human to human, talking yes. to each other, getting together for coffee, doing lunches. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then the second idea you thought there was doing the job before you get the job. Would it say more? Well, you know, so I, I know that, uh, and I'm just sort of reflecting on people that um, that have done well at, at Grand Circus, you know. And, and I think as, as leaders, we, you know, and I, I guess it's it's sort of interesting to sort of put the the um, you know look, look at people that work for you and see what makes them uh, effective in your eyes and think that I've always appreciated. I mean, there's, there's two types of people. There's one, there's one type of person who uh, maybe has been with you for a long time, um, who feels there's a certain entitlement that, that the next role will just come to them. Mm. And that's often the argument. I've been here for five years, you know, um, I've always worked hard here, blah, blah, blah. And, and then there's the other type of person who just starts to stretch their role, you know, starts to, to uh, show that they have additional capabilities and just makes your life easier as a leader, right? Uh, and I'm, I'm talking about sort of, in my case, members of my leadership team. And so when I look at those sorts of people, those two types of people, I'm, I'm, always, gonna, I'm always gonna do everything I can for that second type to help elevate them. And so, so I think it's literally that. It's like looking at the role you wanna be in, you know, um, if it's a CEO role, um, and, and figuring out the, the, the pieces of that role that you can start to show that you're capable of doing. I don't know if that answers your question, but I, I, I think that that's, that's pretty simple, a pretty simple thing to do. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple thing to say, but a hard thing to do, I should say. Sort of a, a, an entrepreneurial mindset, I think I hear you saying. Someone that's willing to just kind of take the ball and run with it and go get stuff done. Well, yeah, but I think it's also about just, you know, how you position yourself, you know? Everybody wants that promotion. Everybody wants the job. But uh, I think, you know, we don't, I don't think we naturally think about how we're viewed by others. And I think that's a really effective way to, mm -hmm. to kind of raise yourself, you know, relative to the pack. What's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. well, um, you, you brought up Grand Circus. That's a great lead into. Yeah. What are you, what are you up to there? What's, what's Grand Circus all about? Well, like the rest of the world, we're trying to figure out how to be remote. Um, so we're, we're a, uh, a, What's called a coding bootcamp, which is a, a program that takes people from an interest in technology, trains them intensively for 
12 weeks full-time or 24 weeks part-time uh, so they can get the skills to get a job in as a software developer. So zero to 60, you know, in, in 12 weeks or 24 weeks. And so for the most part, we, for most of our eight years, we've been an in-person training experience. And then with the pandemic and, and everything that's happened this year, had to transition to remote delivery, you know, in the blink of an eye. So that's what we're in the middle of. It's working, but you know, that's that's kind of been most of our 2020 trying to figure out how to how to train effectively online. And what does that mean for the future? You think what what have you what have you learned from this? What innovation have you have you gotten that you can maybe apply as you go forward post pandemic? Well, yeah, innovations maybe maybe still too soon to say. Um, you know, I think we're we're always looking at. Um, I mean, the obvious one is, you know, it's very different to sit in a classroom for eight hours um, than to, to be on screen for eight hours, right? So I guess we've been looking at ways to reduce screen time and just, you know, break up that classroom experience a little bit. But I'd say that um, the opportunity for us, which I'm really excited about, you know, I think that we'll have remote, remote sort of the new normal for us. You know, we'll, we'll have in-person classes eventually. But... I'm, I sort of what I'm I'm excited about in our business. Like you know, we we need to recruit. The business doesn't work without instructors, and and instructors typically, people have had a an, you know career in development, software development, really hard to find. And you know, finding developers that can also teach are sort of unicorns in our business. Yeah. So, I think what's pretty cool about being remote is that it opens up a national talent pool for us, which uh, you know, I think is going to be pretty exciting. Um, so. You know, I think that's the way I think about this. Um, and, and we'll continue to innovate um, as we learn more and more about how to teach remotely. But luckily, Tom, you know, we, we were, we've had pretty good outcomes. We were a little nervous when we started this and it, it's been going really great. I would imagine too that the international students too, you know, there's now literally you have access to the entire world. We do. We do. I mean, it's, time zones are a, bit, a bit of a limiting factor, but what's nice about being in the Midwest is that we, you know, we, we're very time zone friendly. I mean, you can, you can pick up students on the West Coast and the East Coast. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's definitely part of the opportunity. It means more competition, though, which is the other side. But, um, you know, I think that it's definitely, we're feeling very, very good about our remote future, to be honest. Yeah, that's awesome. It's fascinating. I just talked to a guy yesterday in India, you know, about how we might be able to help his his team uh, growing, they're growing like crazy. And you know, I, I think I I got off the phone. I thought like, you know, what what world do we live in now where that's even remotely a possibility that we could actually help a, a team of folks halfway around the world? You know, wouldn't, awesome. even, wouldn't even cross my mind. You know, a year ago. So it's, it's awesome. one of those sort of forced innovations. I can't take too much credit for it. <laughs> um, so. Um, what other, uh, you know, what other advice do you have? Maybe not so much as a CEO, but just as, um, you know, as a way to be helpful to young up and coming leaders. You know, this that's kind of where the the source of this podcast started was to really be a, a real conversation with real leaders. You know, um, not a bunch of sort of tactical stuff that you should do, um, so that young people could you know, could hear from real leaders about what they're facing, what challenges they're facing. You brought up before imposter syndrome. Um, you know, what, what other advice would you have for people that are looking to grow in their careers and to, 
to maybe become maybe not necessarily a CEO, but to become a leader of a team? Uh, so it sort of relates a little bit to, uh, you know, when I was talking about how it's important to position yourself, maybe relative to others that want that next, you know, that leadership role. Um, I would say something that we don't do very well as employees or as individuals is think about that question and, and in particular what we're really good at. Uh, I think that's a very difficult question to answer. And I, I think a lot of us give it sort of, you know, superficial uh, attention when, you know, maybe we're interviewing for a job and everybody, you know, plans for that strengths and weaknesses question. But I think that really understanding what you're good at and finding ways to exploit that is really important as a leader. I mean, I, I, I once, someone once told me a bit of advice they gave me was that like as, as a, um, you leverage your strengths on the way up and then you cover them when you get there, which is sort of what CEOs have to be able to do. You have to be able to find people that can cover your, you know, your weaknesses and, and, and make you look better. But I think for someone aspiring for that, that role, you've got to figure out what you're good at and make sure that, that you know, any opportunity you have, um, you demonstrate that strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It reminds you of the whole idea of what got you here won't get you there, that you've got to continually grow right. and continue to, to change and to adapt and to, you know, otherwise you're, you're stuck. You're stuck in the past usually pretty quickly. Right. Um, so that, I mean, that, that's a big piece of advice, but yeah. not easy to do, as I said. <laughs> Easier said than done, like much of this. Right, exactly. What about on the culture front? You know, as you think about your Grand Circus team and you guys have grown quite a bit over those eight years, um, how do you think about fostering a, a productive, you know, enjoyable culture? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. And, and obviously the pandemic has made all of that way harder. Um, mm. I, look, I, I would say um, the things that we focus on and that I've found have been the most effective things for culture um, are really two things. One is, obviously there's, there's business performance and keeping people accountable and, you know, all of that. But I would say um, one is acknowledging people. I think showing gratitude for your teams and just, you know, we, we, we try to do it at Grand Circus. I mean, we, we, we talk about shout outs um, at, at a lot of meetings that we have, team meetings. So I think acknowledging people, you know, showing that you're grateful and, and you know, giving really positive feedback, public positive feedback is, is huge for culture. And I'd say the other the other thing, which um, again, you know, easier said than done, is just to have fun. I think it's 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 you know really interesting to me, and I've noticed this at, at points of our history. Um, when you when you look at people sort of complaining about how hard they're working, they're not having as much fun, in my experience. The times that we've been having a lot of fun as a team, we've worked our asses off. Yeah. So, so I think that, and and, and there are you know simple ways to do that. Um, it's okay to be silly and and just you know. Um, just sort of have that be part of sort of the, the company mindset. But I'd say that they're two things that, especially in a pandemic, because, you know, let's face it, 2020 is not fun. Um, and, and there's a lot of bad news and a lot of bad, you know, um, bad stuff kind of floating around. It's sort of good to sort of celebrate the positive. So I think they're two things that I, I would say are, are really important. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, um, uh, I just had a thought that completely escaped my brain, Damien. Um, it was a good one too. Oh, having fun. You know, this, um, I was, I was, I was reflecting on your 
sort of your upbringing, obviously, um, maybe not so obvious for everyone, but you grew up in Australia. That's why you've got that unfair competitive advantage of your accent. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious, um, how does that, how does your background, I guess, influence your ability to lead and your ability to, to kind of have fun? What's the, where does that source of fun come from, you think? Well, I think for Australians, um, we just don't take ourselves seriously. Mm. I mean, there's a certain irreverence. Um, you know, we call it taking the piss that mm. Australians, um, you know, are just, just, just the way we are. So I'd say that that's at the, at the heart of, of it. Um, I, uh, I try to do that. I mean, you know, I'm, not sure if, I'm not sure if that's sort of the, the reason that we have fun at Grand Circus. I don't, I don't actually, and this is the other thing, I think what's really hard about having fun is that, you know, it has to feel organic. Um, you know, if, if as a CEO, you're saying, okay, today, guys, we're scheduling a 30-minute, you know, fun session <laughs> or go out and have, it doesn't work. And so um, I wouldn't say that, uh, and it's been hard, I'll be honest with you, like especially over the course of the last 10 months or so. Um, like I said, there hasn't been much fun about 2020. Uh, so I don't know that I necessarily have a role in it other than I do my best to enable it. Um, and, and I've, you know, I, I really appreciate people on my team that um, just have this sort of instinctive, you know, instinctive ideas that are really interesting and fun for the team to participate in. Uh, so I don't know if that answers your question, but I, you know, I, I think that just being open to it is really what has made me um, most effective in kind of getting out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if what I consider fun other people would think is fun, Tom. <laughs> Well, but you're empowering it. You're you're fostering. Yeah. You're you're helping to to make it not just okay, but actually encouraging it. Whether you're the source of it or not, I think that's right. a huge role that a, yeah. a CEO can play, a leader can play. And and that background, you know, of Australia is is it was a fascinating one. I never really thought about it that way. But but yeah, now that you say it out loud, it's like, oh yeah, I can see that. And and folks, folks that I've met, there's a there is a um, sort of a more simple joy of life you know um and a reverence that is that is healthy not in a not in a bad way but in a, a really good way i think that we can we as americans could learn a lot from i'd like to think so but you know i'm a little biased so i'll <laughs> let you say that <laughs> well you've got that you've got that about you you've got a very easy way about you you're you're easy to be with and i would imagine that's very attractive for your team you know it's a very um compelling reason to work with you and for you so Thanks, Tom. So, go ahead. No, no, no. That's it. I was going to say, if you had them on here, they might say differently, but we'll, we'll run with that. <laughs> um, so, last question. Um, I was, I was usually ask. Uh, I always usually, there's a great sentence. I usually ask CEOs for a book recommendation. You know, either okay. a leadership book or just, you know, right now I'm reading Endurance. Have you heard of this? The about Shackleton going down to the yep. I'm, I'm like, it's it is intense. It's an awesome, awesome book. Um, so it's sort of a leadership book, but not really. Um, so the, 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 the options are wide open. What book or books would you recommend? So there's a book I've been telling people about a little bit lately. Have you heard of Trillion Dollar Coach by Bill Campbell? <clears throat> Trillion Dollar Coach? No. Yeah. So there's this guy, Bill, Bill Campbell, who I think was chairman of Intuit was actually a, 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 a college sport football coach, I want to say, got into business and brought a lot of his sort of, you know, coaching, you know, 
um, approaches into the, the world of business. But as a, as a, as a business coach, um, was a, a huge influence on Sergey and Larry Google and Eric Schmidt, um, Steve Jobs, you know, basically a who's who of Silicon Valley. I mean, you talk to any of these guys, he was, he was sing, you know, the single reason that they were successful. So that's why they call him a trillion dollar coach because he's you know, created a trillion dollars in value in theory. Uh, anyway, so this is a very simple read. And I think, I think Eric Schmidt, who's the former chairman of Google, was one of the authors. Uh, so it's just one of these books that really talks about Bill's philosophies. And, and sorry about the background noise. Um, can you hear that? A little bit. It's not too bad. Okay. So, um, and I'll give you one example, of, which I think is a really effective, um, you know, Bill Campbell sort of, uh, you know, tool. So he talks about, um, at, at the beginning of any meeting, he talks about the, the trip report. Have you heard this idea? Uh, no, I don't think so. So basically, um, what he would do at the, at the beginning of every meeting, he would ask people what they did on their weekends or at Google, you know, people travel a lot. He'd ask them for a trip report, which is, you know, so tell me about the trip that you, the most recent business trip you're on. And really the insight there is when you, when you start a meeting, when you speak about those things, it's an opportunity for people to share something personal about themselves. And, and also when you talk about something personal, it's impossibly pissed. You know, you think about the meetings that you have with people where everybody's come in from maybe a stressful situation somewhere else or they're just in a, a, a shitty mood. Sorry, you know, I swear. But it, it completely takes the wind out of it just to, to open up a meeting with that sort of segue. So anyway, that's just one, one interesting tactic that he's used with, you know, and I think across Google, they use that pretty, um, um, I guess it's fairly widespread, at least at the leadership levels. So anyway, so that's that's Bill Campbell, and I think it's it's a good book, easy to read, and there's lots of really interesting insights in it. I love it. I love it. It's uh, it's a lot of what we talk about is sort of who you're being is more important than what you say, you know, and, yeah. and allowing people to to bring some positive energy and getting them recentered on you know what what matters. It's a brilliant strategy as opposed to just kind of what we tend to do is jump right into the content of the meeting, you know, and people are distracted or they're frustrated or still mad about the last meeting. Um, yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah. Interesting tactic. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for the time again to Damien and um, have a wonderful week and weekend. You too, Tom. And, uh, we'll see you soon, hopefully. All right.